Welcome to The Experience of You, a podcast on how to own your personal brand and have the mindset to get your goals and live your dreams. People who lead with an authentic and positive personal brand create the ultimate experience for others. And when they do, they get what they want, personally and professionally. It's not about likes and followers. Don't let others dictate your brand. Take control of it and own it. Throughout this podcast, brilliant people will help you learn how. I'm Dave Thompson, and here's this week's guest. Joining me today is Doug Holcomb, an employee benefits consultant for Hardenberg Insurance Group, a greater Philadelphia regional brokerage firm that specializes in group health, commercial, public entity, and personal insurance. Doug, like many young people, has had an interesting career path already at the tender age of 31. He played college basketball at Washington College in Maryland, graduating with a BA in psychology, and then began a career path that's often common for many people today, deciding what kind of business and job would become a career while trying everything. From college, he went on to become a physical therapy school dropout. I love that, Doug. After transitioning out of physical therapy, he tested the water in in the business world, first selling copiers for conglomerates such as Canon out of a family business. He then went into human resources working for Hardenberg and now sells employee benefits and commercial insurance to small and sized businesses. What I love about Doug is he's a relentless connector and he bases his networking style on that of the go-giver philosophy, the landmark book by Bob Berg and John Mann. Doug attributes most of his recent success to his most painful personal experiences. He admittedly endured a failed collegiate basketball career, the string of dropping out of therapy school, and the many highs and lows of working in a family business that eventually did not pan out. And there's a lot that we're going to unpack on that last line, Doug. So thanks for joining. Looking forward to, to hearing more about your experiences. David, thanks for having me. I'm, I'm thrilled to be on your podcast. And just want to start out by apologizing for the uninspired background. I'm going to work at, in terms of personal branding, which I'm being interviewed on today. Maybe this isn't the best example. But as I say, not as I do. That's right. So... Let's start talking about personal branding from your perspective. You're 31. You've tried a a number of different jobs. When did you first become aware of this concept of personal brand? So I think very early on in my professional career, after I left college and dropped out of uh, PT school, there was a second coming of trying to find my identity. So growing up when you're in middle school and high school, those are pivotal years in your life in which you develop an identity and you find your niche and your click. That had been discovered. But then after, again, leaving PT school, I thought I was on a career path, took a complete 180. I found myself at a crossroads again, trying to now figure out what is Doug's identity at 23 years old? Because it's not the same identity that I had found at 16 or 17. So it was at that point that I, I realized I need to do some self-exploration and actualization to realize what am I really passionate about? What is it I enjoy? That's not enough. You have to get out there. You have to experience the nine to five job monotony. You have to experience the highs and lows of being in the corporate world, the pressures that come along with it, the responsibility. So I think over the years with both the, the experience of the failures that I've had, but then also the experience of working in the multiple industries that I have. It was a a culmination of both things. It was like an amalgamation of 
all those different things that led me to believe that, hey, I got to carve out my own identity. I got to develop my own brand because the way that I perceive myself is probably far different from the way that others perceive me. And I want to make sure those align, that the way I want to be perceived is the way that others actually view me. So I think it was at that point, probably about three years ago, when I went into full-time sales, I realized that it's really important that your narrative, your messaging is authentic, it's real, and that it has a brand attached to it. You're not going to set yourself apart from the rest of the pack and you're not going to differentiate yourself. And again, what I do, which is business development, you have to find a way to really stand out from the rest of the crowd. So I would say about three years ago, I went into full-time sales. I realized that personal brand was of the utmost importance. So talk about how you then approached building that. Did you start to, to read more about it? Did you start to talk with more mentors about it? Uh, give us an idea of your process. I definitely, I'm an avid reader. I would encourage anyone who's watching, listening to this, read as much as you can while you have the time. I read everything from nonfiction to fiction. I read Daniel Pink to Sales Human. I read Napoleon Hill, a whole host of Dan Carnegie. The list goes on and on. I read all the great business authors. And my, my takeaway was at the end of the day, you got to make sure that you, you attach yourself to, to an identity and to a brand. So through reading, that definitely helped me realize I, I need to, to stand for something. But then also through networking, which can be organic or inorganic. It depends on how you look at it. Some people are just organic networkers who are extroverts and they just do it because they, they enjoy spending their leisure time engaging in an activity. Others, they do it because they have to. They're a small business owner trying to get the name and scope of the product out to the, the public. Some do it because it's what they're paid to do. In my case, I'm paid to do it, but I also enjoy it. But through networking, I realized that a lot of people had their 30-second commercial down pat. They looked the part, they spoke the part, and they embodied the their role for the particular organization. So Whenever you see everything aligning in terms of branding, it's impressive and you, you want that for yourself. So I think through both reading, passive learning, and then through active learning, engaging in networking, I realized I really got to work on my personal brand. We've come a long way. So let's roll into that. This podcast is called The Experience of You. So you've consciously put a lot of effort into reading, uh, self-actualization, and then observing those who perhaps have influenced you in the networking game. So if you put yourself in other people's perspective right now, how does Doug Holcomb come across? What's that experience? Uh, I guess it depends on who you're talking to. However, I would say most folks would probably think of me as a pretty congenial, nice guy that is going to put their interests before my own. And that's the philosophy of the go-giver, which... Pretty much everyone who's, who, again, is listening or viewing this is familiar with. If you're not, you need to read the book. It's such a simple concept, but it's hard to implement. In business, a lot of us look at it as a zero-sum game. There's winners, there's losers. We live in a competitive, capitalistic society, and it's very hard to stick to the script of giving without feeling like you need to get something in return. So what I did was I stopped creating an expectation of people now giving to me, right? Reciprocation. Right. Instead, I'm just going to give selflessly. I'm just going to lead with who I am as a, a person, my core principles, 
the way my parents raised me, the way I want to raise my son. And I just think through authentic measures, I think I've developed a perception of being a giver, of being, again, nice, agreeable, and supportive of, of other people and whatever their vocation is. I'm going to support you 110% because by supporting you, again, it's going to help me further my personal brand, but also it's going to come back around in some shape or form and it's going to fit me eventually. I just don't attach a time frame to it. That's all. Good. Good karma marketing. Good karma networking. Uh, thinking consciously, though, you're going out to a meeting, you're going out to a networking event. What are your intentions and goals in presenting yourself to others? Perceptions that you're trying consciously to create. Sure. That, that's a great question. And it's a good point to bring up, David, because as much as it makes sense and it's relatively easy to go into a networking room and say, what can I do for you? You still need to have goals and objectives for yourself. Otherwise, you're going to get frustrated without seeing a return on your networking investment. This personally is something I'm working on to this day. And that's, again, why folks need to work with David Thompson's and other avid networkers that you've interviewed. Because I think when you go into the room, it's easy to wing it. But my objective typically is I look at the list ahead of time, right? I look at who's attending this networking event. Who is in an industry that I can positively impact? So I do employee benefits. I'm looking for HR professionals. I'm looking for centers of influence, accountants, lawyers, businesses that I might that might need immediate help with their insurances, or businesses that I can easily refer to. Mm-hmm. I'm going to identify those people. I'm going to get in front of them. If I know them, a lot easier. But if I don't know them, that's okay. I'm going to introduce myself. I'm going to give them my business card. And I'm going to explain to them why they need to meet me and why we need to do a follow-up phone call, Zoom meeting, or six months ago would have been getting a coffee. So I think you have to go into the room knowing who is the people you want to meet. And again, you got to walk away with a next step agenda. So it can't just be, here's my card. I'll reach out to you eventually. And you never follow it up. That's fruitless marketing That's and, and networking. That That's not going to be a positive endeavor. So instead, when you leave... The business cards, which you collected, which shouldn't be every business card of every person in that room, because if that's the case, then you weren't intentional with your time. Take out those business cards and then do a follow-up email, follow-up phone call, or what I'm seeing today is a follow-up text. And make sure you set up a follow-up appointment with that person who you wanted to meet in that room. And then, of course, if it's authentic networking, the message you want to put across is going to be the message that they're receiving. If it's authentic, if it's inauthentic, then there's going to be a cross cross of messaging. There's going to be a a mixed signal being presented. So you got to make sure it's authentic. So it's the advice is research with people ahead of time, come in with uh, the goals, and then follow with authenticity and to schedule one to ones in order to talk about how you guys can learn more and help each other. Absolutely. And uh, the other piece I would add on to that is. Not every networking event is going to be for you. Research ahead of time. Identify maybe board members or people, professionals who might be higher up within that networking organization. Maybe don't go to the folks who want to recruit you for the group, but instead go to someone else who doesn't have a conflict of interest and just ask them, hey, what folks typically have the most success with your group? What are your objectives within your organization? Are you looking for 
philanthropy? Are you looking for financial support, uh, volunteerism? Do you just want to fill the room? How can I benefit you? And then you'll quickly identify whether or not that group is for you, but do your research ahead of time. And if you're unsure, then you go. Yeah. And then you, go and you, you make your determination based off that experience. And that's what too many people don't. They, go, they show up at a networking event. And even if they have a, a polished 30 second um, you know, elevator speech, they're still not, they still don't know who's in the room. Correct. Introvert to extrovert. You were a college basketball player. You were, you're, you've been in a multiple number of positions, sales now, and were you always an extrovert? Certainly not. I think it's typically much more complicated in the response to are you an introvert or extrovert than most people recognize. I, I think it's a lot more common for someone to be a combination of both than to be one or the other, either or. So in my case, I grew up more of an introvert. I, I enjoyed time to myself. I'm sure I lacked confidence to a certain extent and was a little more inclusive, which did benefit me. It allowed for me to, to get into feelings, my emotions, to, again, read and explore the world. I wasn't so caught up in socializing, which it can be hard when you're just a constant to really, again, get attuned to your own personal feelings and, and who you are as a person. So instead, I think growing up, I was an extro, uh, introvert. And then through basketball and through sports, I, I developed more of an extroverted uh, personality. So I, I really enjoyed engaging with people. My personality changed a little bit. I, I became a little more willing to go outside myself. And then through high school and college, definitely the extroversion began to, to shine through. But I had some bouts in college where I had, I had social anxiety. I battled moments where I, I just didn't want to deal with the constant back and forth of meeting strangers. Again, an identity crisis doesn't help. In, in being an extrovert. So I think you, you, you go back and forth between introversion and extroversion. In my case, I'm definitely more of an extrovert today. But I, I certainly like the time to myself. And I think it's important that you toggle between the two. Mm -hmm. If you're going to be in business development and if you're going to network, you definitely want to try to explore the extroverted side of things. Absolutely. And confidence is a hard thing to teach. And those who are introverts are, are in many cases introverted because they lack the confidence or the security about themselves and where they're going. Common problem, in, or not common problem, but common trait and characteristic in college kids. And then when you're out in the work world, you are the low man on the totem pole or low person on the totem pole. So that's always difficult then as well than to develop confidence in yourself because you literally wonder if you're worthy enough to be sitting there. So it's, it's a constant evolution, isn't it? It is. It is. And I think you, you hit the nail on the head with confidence, I think can also go hand in hand with a fear of failure. I think um, mm, that's a good point. And just harkening back to my experiences with basketball, took me a long time to admit that was a failure because, again, it's much easier to suppress the failures in your life and it, they'll often manifest themselves through being an introvert or an extrovert. And in my case, like through my failure in basketball and PT school, there was a period there post-college where I was pretty introverted. I was ashamed of those failures. I didn't want them to come to light. And my confidence was at an all-time low. 
So for about a year there, people who knew me as an extrovert were a bit confused and confounded that what happened to Doug? Why is he not as willing to come out to, to get-togethers? And why isn't he picking up his phone as much? Why is he texting? Because, again, it's not as clear-cut as it appears. But yeah. I got over that. You overcome it. You learn from it. And you have a couple keystone moments that lead you to hopefully extinguishing that fear, fear of failure and allowing that fear to motivate you and propel you forward. Well, that's a great follow-up question because I'm going to say to you, what did you learn from failure that helped propel you forward? I didn't learn much initially. What I learned was that this feeling really stinks. It was much more convenient based off of the tough experience in college with basketball, losing and not hitting the mark, and then dropping out of PT school, realizing this isn't for me either. In the moment, of course, you're going to feel hopelessness. But then as time goes on and more things occur in your life and you gain experience, it puts everything in perspective. Context is everything. You hear that all the time, but it really is. It gave me perspective. It opened my eyes to, wow, you know, I quit basketball. It didn't work out quite as well as it did, but I still had an opportunity to play on the collegiate level. I still got into PT school. And you know what? That experience gave me further clarification of what I want to do with my career. I didn't go to PT, maybe I wouldn't know that, hey, listen, business development, being a networker, being in the business industry, that's really for me. I, I would, might not have discovered that if I didn't go to PT school. So I think once you realize that those experiences, whether they're positive or negative, that they are substantial and they impact you in your current state, I think once you can realize that, you can learn from your failures and you can use it, again, to propel you forward and to make you a more mindful and effective person. I think once you realize that, it helps you put those failures to bed. Sure. And uh, it, you can come to grips with them a little bit more easily. So it's hard in the moment. It's tough. It's very easy to, to succumb to failure. But again, experience and realizing like there's really nothing to fear. Let's put this in context. I think that's a pretty awesome moment when you can... Just the nail on the head. There, there is nothing to fear because particularly when you're early in your career as you were, whether it was basketball or, or dropping out of physical therapy school, you guys think, oh, I'm not on this pathway to success suddenly. I've failed. Well, no, you just hit a bump in the road. You're going to adjust. You're going to find your path. And then you've got the rest of your life to hit the level of success that you want to. Correct. I think there's a component of it. When you're younger, you realize well, you think maybe you're not in the driver's seat, that things are, are planned for you and that you have to continue to meet the expectations of this blueprint that was built for you. And then you realize once you get out in the, the workforce and the, the, the business world, you know, what you reap what you sow. And ultimately, you can overcome anything. You can achieve anything. Um, as long as you're doing all the right things, you have the right mentors, you've got a good head on your shoulders, you're organized, you're ambitious, you have grit. And I think once you realize that those components are formulating for you, you realize that failure is nothing to fear at all. So a lot of people have dealt with a lot of conflicting emotions coming out of COVID-19. You're in business development. All of a sudden you're going from live networking and smiling and dialing and dropping in on, on clients to yes. 
trying to network how, what's a normal workday look like for somebody in business development now faced that hit the pandemic? Outside of maybe your little one or no matter how old your children are, your spouse walking in on a Zoom meeting, which I think we've all learned to accept that as uh, a norm in today's networking society. It's my days filled with a litany of virtual teleconferences. And when I say teleconference, it could be Zoom, it could be WebEx, it could be Teams. Before the, the pandemic, everyone, no one knew what Zoom was. If we did, we all would have bought stock and we'd be all the more uh, richer as a result. But I, I think we're all on a similar boat in that we're going out when we have to, we're practicing safe social distancing measures, we're masking up. I do it sparingly at the end of the day. I, I think the Zoom and, and the video conferencing is pretty effective. I mean, you're looking at someone in the eye. You're still able to communicate. I think it's a step above making a phone call because, again, you're putting a face to a name. So my day is pretty stacked with video tele- video conferencing, and I love it personally. I think some people are Zoomed out. And listen, I would love to give you a hug, shake your hand, get a coffee with you, but this is just a card. The hand we've been dealt, you got to deal with it. And I think a lot of us are, again, saving saving money on 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 gas and saving time from being in the car. Huh. I like it. I don't know about you, but I, I think it's a net. I was just wondering though about for somebody in business development, how they deal with that in trying to approach and get through oh. to yeah. others that maybe they were able to get to live through events or getting them out. So what I'm doing, traditionally, I think most people in business development would agree, it's best to, to show your face, to pull up, hand off your business card, maybe a NASA receptionist as the person who you want to talk to available. I think you transition now and you've got to make those phone calls, but also I think it can't hurt if you do get the person that you want to talk to or the person who you're, again, trying to traditionally get in front of, if you can get them on the phone, Tell them, hey, listen, let's schedule a Zoom meeting 30 days out. That's a pretty innocuous time frame. It's not going to put a hiccup or a wrinkle on their immediate plans or their immediate goals. Instead, it's 30 days out. You send them the Zoom link in in an email format. They accept it. It's now on their calendar. And that's how we're all conducting meetings. If you weren't using Outlook in the calendar prior to, to the pandemic, you are now. And when you see that Zoom meeting on your calendar, it's a lot harder to decline that because that Zoom meeting is equivalent to being in person. So my best strategy is if you can get a hold of that person before you get off the phone, send the calendar invite out and make sure that you have a link to a video conference in that email and make sure they accept it. What do you value in people and business relationships? What do you look for in, in their experience that helps you perhaps connect? Experience is, is, I think, one of the key elements. Me personally, given I'm 31, and I have no problem mentoring those under me. I'm more than happy to do that. But me personally, I'm going to look for folks that are experienced, um, that have had success, and I'm going to I'm going to seek uh, mentorship from them because mm-hmm. I haven't seen it all. I, I don't know what exactly the keys to success are. Figuring out as I go along. I'm a sponge absorbing information, but I want to make sure I'm absorbing that information from the right source. Personally, you know, I like to seek out folks that have had success in networking and that are willing to mentor. 
That's number one. Number two would be authenticity. Who wants to network with someone who, quite frankly, again, the brand, the thing that they're trying to portray isn't what you're picking up. It's incongruent like that. To me, I'm just going to have a hard time maintaining that relationship. I, I want someone who's going to be authentic, that's going to be real, who I can trust. And then the third element is typically going to be someone who's just willing to invest the time. Once the network with someone else who you meet one time, you hit it off, you send them a couple referrals, and then they, they just go dark on you. You want someone who's willing to invest time in the relationship. That's, again, not looking at it as a zero-sum game. There's got to be a give and take. And I don't care what you do. You could be in any industry. It doesn't need to be one that's tailored to what I do. No, I think it's more about the individual and uh, checking off all three of those boxes. Mm -hmm. Someone I I would definitely be happy to include in my network. Right. Perfect. Perfect. What do you find right now after a 10-year career path? What do you find most rewarding, impactful about the work that you do now? I would say the one that there's two things. I think the first part would be what I do on a day-to-day basis because the, the networking, the connecting, that's with available time, but I still have to help service other employers, employee benefits and group health insurance policies. You have to ensure things are running smoothly and that you're there when they need you. That's my goal. That's my objective and my job as a broker. So on a day-to-day basis, when you can get someone's prescription filled that's being denied at the pharmacy and the insurance carrier is fighting back on them, when you can help an employee better understand that their benefits are better utilized than their health insurance. Well, you can just save them money, again, that they didn't know the savings were available. That's a great feeling, honest. That's a great feeling, all the way from saving the employer money, all the way down to the employee and, and positively impacting their family. I could go into a slew of different examples, but we've really helped people get the care that they need at the facilities that they want through helping them for lack of a better term, battle the 800-pound gorilla, which is insurance carriers. So that's our goal. That's our objective. We do a great job at that. Um, The second part, I would say, again, servitude to others. Uh, I love the fact that I have my own networking group now. Um, I'm meeting different personalities on a day-to-day basis who are all wonderful people, but it's making that connection for them, that opportunity creating that opportunity for them, supporting their organization or, or just supporting them as an individual, that's the greatest part of my job is the fact that I can do that. I'm not sure I'm doing it well. I'm sure I can always do better. That's the beauty of being on 10 years in your career. That's young in, in terms of a uh, professional career. That's early on. So I've, I still have a lot more to learn, but those two things are by far the most fulfilling aspect of my, my okay. career. So, tips and advice. Two parts. What common mistakes do you see young professionals make in the networking process? And you may have touched on on a few of those already. And what advice would you give to a young Doug Holcomb 10 years ago? So advice to prospective networkers, it would be number one, uh, don't get caught in the, don't get caught in the excuse of inaction, right? Don't think this isn't for me, or I'm not going to be good at it, or this is a waste of my time. It's not in my job description. Networking is a necessary part of what you do, regardless of your role. Of course, there's going to be some some exceptions, but for most of us in the corporate world, you need to go out, you need to meet other people, 
and you need to expand your network and your influence in the, the, the professional world. Don't, do not talk yourself out of it. Just go. Day one, I went to, uh, there's an organization called Tri-State HR. Uh, it's a Sherm organization. They meet at the Westin in Mount Laurel. This was shortly after I dropped out of PT school. I went to Staples. I printed cards. They were uh, so distasteful. It was terrible. Thank God I, I don't do marketing. But anyway, the cards said my name, my personal email address, and my degree from college. And I printed these cards, and I went to the Tri-State meeting which was encouraged by a gentleman. I'm going to give him a quick plug, John Baldino, humoressa. He took me on his win. And I went there, I handed out my cards, and it's amazing how many people were willing to help. As a young professional, again, most of us want to mentor. We want to pass the baton. We want to have a lasting legacy. When I went there, the doors opened. The floodgates opened. I met so many people through this one experience. And that experience, again, came from a moment of failure. I realized I had to do something. I had to get myself out of this rut. That was that moment. And I didn't let inaction stop me from networking and beginning the next nine years of networking. Sure. So that's number one. The other part of it, I would say, is choose your network partners wisely. Just because you're introduced to someone doesn't mean that you're going to be able to find them a lead at every moment of, of opportunity or with every conversation that you have. Sure. Realize that there's going to be limitations. You're not going to be able to network as effectively with all folks. But also protect your network. You want to make sure you let people into your network that align with your core values, your core principles. And uh, if you do that, again, I think it's going to make the process so much easier and and so much more natural. So those are the two main elements. Be selective in who you let into your network and who you network with. And then, of course, just do it. As easy as Nike said, just do it. And then for me... Looking back 10 years, gosh, I feel like I've aged 20, but and I look like I've aged 20. So I would say probably, David, again, it all harkens back to don't have the fear of failure. Just go out there and explore the endless world of possibilities that that the career path can offer you. Day one, I would not have wasted on burying my head on websites, 50, 50 question surveys trying to funnel me to a career path that I was unsure about. Instead, just go out there and experience the world. Talk to others. Don't be afraid to ask others for 15 minutes of their time. And, and just don't be afraid to, to take the, the leap of faith. Call the CEO at the, the, the huge company. I think they're going to have a little more to say than maybe your colleague who you graduated college with or high school with who's in the same boat as you. Upstream. It, hear it from the people that have, again, had success and who have experienced the trials and tribulations so that you can learn from it and hopefully avoid those same pitfalls. So that's it. Just jump in, man. I was too tentative early on. I think most of us are. We're, we're too tentative. People are willing to help. All you got to do is ask. Yeah. And, and that's such an important point, Doug. As is, you've said this a couple of times, finding mentors, asking people for 15 minutes of their time, getting people actively involved in helping you succeed or opening doors for you because they want to. And they're there for you. They just don't get asked enough. Correct. If you don't ask, you'll never receive. Questions are free for everyone who out there listening. Questions are free. What was your career scoring average at Washington? It was a failed experiment. So if you go on the website, you'll see 5.5 points per game. 
Oh, but great defense and a lot of rebounds and assists. I hustled. Hey, started some games as a sophomore. It was an awesome experience. And here's the beauty of any sport. You play your entire life, but you got to enjoy it. Got to enjoy what you're doing. You can't make it. If it's feeling like a job that young in life, then you probably shouldn't do it. Right? Yeah. You're working for the, the next 60 years, buddy. Yeah, 5.5. Played against a lot of really good teams. Franklin and Marshall was a Final Four contender. And every year we were there. So it was a very interesting experience, but I wouldn't change anything for the world. That's great. That's great. Any parting advice for youth in particular as you're there? Absolutely. I think you, if you're a Temple University student, you think you need to seek out David Thompson's lecture. That's number one. Number two, honestly, it's to really start thinking about what is it that you're interested in pursuing that. Don't let others, whether it's your parents, whether it's coach, sibling, don't let them dictate what you're passionate about. Great advice. Bottom line, explore all kinds of different things. Be in chess club, play basketball. Don't play basketball. Play, play tennis. Try sports. Try drama. Try acting because there's going to become a, a point in your life where – you're just, you're too busy and that, that's okay. That's the natural progression of things. You're too busy, overextended, doing other stuff where you're just not going to have an opportunity to explore your creative faculties and explore all the things that the wonderful world offers to you. That is my advice is just to explore and have your own voice and discover it for yourself. Don't let others uh, discover it for you. Great. Finding your passions and and uh, taking advantage of all that you have to offer, all that life has to offer. I love that, Doug. Yeah, common sense knowledge. Honestly, I think most of us can can write self help books. I don't think many people would read mine because it would probably be a book of cliches. But I, I think it's sound advice and, and stuff that many of us don't heed at a young age because we're too preoccupied with other things. So whether I'm a parent or I'm a, a young adult, you got to just get involved and, and volunteer observe, and just get out in the world and engage with it. Perfect. Great advice, Doug. Thanks for joining me. And uh, I look forward to catching up with you at a networking event, one live, hopefully. Of course. And I'll put some information about you in podcast notes so that people can contact you and reach out to you for for mentorship. And I think that's a, you have a lot to offer people because of that career path you've had in just 10 years and what you've learned along the way. So appreciate the time, Doug. I appreciate you having me, David. And to be honest, the beauty is I'm speaking with a mentor. So this is Mentorship Live right here. You're all seeing it. David Thompson has taken me under his wing as well as countless number of other people. So if you have any questions, email me, call me. I will certainly spend the time with you. And Thanks for listening to The Experience of You. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, please share it with others who are currently trying to land a job, transition careers, or are looking to improve their professional brand. To catch all the latest workshops, resources, and insights from the Career Coach Pros community, you can follow us on Instagram at Career Coach Pros and on Twitter at Career Coach Pros. Thanks again, and I'll see you next time.